Hi everybody, uh, my name's Josh, I'm part of the leadership team here at Redeemer King. Now, I know times are a bit weird at the minute um, and we've not been able to get away on holiday like most people this year. So I've been sort of reminiscing about uh, past holidays and one of the holidays that I was uh, thinking about was uh, when I was fortunate, fortunate enough to go to Canada um, on what was called the International Air Cadet Exchange. So I went over to Canada uh, and as one of the weekends that I was there, as part of the trip, I stayed with a family in Niagara um, and they took us to uh, see the Niagara Falls. Um, honestly, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, it's incredible, like just the, the scale of it, um, the, the natural sort of force of the water uh, and the scenery, it's just incredible. You, you've actually, you've got to see it to to appreciate it. Um, but while we were there, the, the family started telling me this story about this guy called the Great Zumbratti. Um, and I'm sure you can appreciate with a name like that, there's a very good story about to be told. So the Great Zumbratti, he'd set out, he was a tightrope walker, uh, and he'd set out on a pursuit um, for all his life to walk, to tightrope walk across the Niagara Falls. So we spent years training, preparing himself for this tightrope walk across the Niagara Falls. And um, the day came. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, but because of the amount of um, water going down into the, to the bottom of the fall, um, there's just like a mist everywhere around. Um, so there's lots of water, everything's wet around it, hence the name of the boat that does a little tour called the Maid of the Mist. Um, so this would have been like proper challenging for this guy to tightrope walk, it would have been slippy, it would have been wet, have been, his visibility wouldn't have been great. To make things worse, on the day that he actually came to do the, the walk, uh, the weather was really bad. So it was really windy, it was wet, it was struggling to see. But he'd been pursuing this for, for years, so he wanted to do it, so he wasn't going to quit. So he, he cracked on, he went ahead, and um, he managed it. He walked all the way across. Now, a massive crowd had gathered, probably hoping to uh, see someone plummet to the death, uh, but they didn't. He, he got all the way across, and they were cheering him on, and they, they cheered as he, as he got to the end, and they all gathered around him, and they were all shouting, and... Uh, and everyone was happy. And then all of a sudden, this guy from nowhere randomly pushes his way through the crowd with a wheelbarrow. And he says, oh, Zombrati, that was amazing. That was amazing. I can't believe what you've just done. Uh, that was incredible. He said, um, do it again. Do it again, but do it with the wheelbarrow. Zombrati um, turned around and uh, in an Italian accent uttered a few words that I, uh, I can't repeat because I'm not Italian. Um, and he might have done a few hand gestures as well, but again, I can't repeat those because uh, I'm not Italian. Um, but just let's just say that he, he said, I'm not doing it. Um, this guy was like, no, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Uh, and then all the crowd was getting on him as well, saying, yeah, do it again. He was so good. Um, so 
he starts to change his way of thinking. He says, are you sure I was good? Like Zambratti starts saying, are you sure I was good? Are you sure? Were there any bits where I wobbled? I didn't look great? Or did I, did I look solid as I was walking across? And they were like, yeah, yeah, you can definitely do it. You can definitely do this again. So reluctantly, Zambratti said, okay, I'll do it. Then he turned to this man and he said, now jump in the barrow and we'll get going. Now, there's two morals to this story. Moral number one, don't ever try and persuade someone to walk across Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow unless you're willing to sit in the barrow. But also, when we set out on a pursuit of something, the end of the pursuit is not always where we think it will be. So Zambratti thought he'd finished his pursuit, but it could still go further. And we're continuing our new series on the letter P and... You may have picked up from uh, the story that I've just told that today I'm going to be looking at pursuit. Now, I met my wife when I was 17. Um, I know that sounds a little bit crazy. And today is actually our 12th wedding anniversary. Um, so I just thought I'd better do a little bit of a shout out. So happy anniversary, Esther. But when I first met Esther, I decided that I wanted to pursue a relationship with her. I think saying pursue a relationship with her sounds better than saying I decided to pursue her. That uh, may, might have ended a little bit differently to uh, pursuing a relationship with her. And eventually I wore her down and she agreed to marry me. But when we got married, that didn't end my pursuit of a relationship with her. I didn't just think, um, sweet, that's it. I've reached my goal of, of the pursuit that I set out for. I've bagged myself a wife. Uh, that's it done if if I did that um, our relationship would have ended on our wedding day that would have been it and I know more about Esther now both good and bad than I did when we got married and that's because I'm still pursuing a relationship with her uh, and that's not just limited to my wife but it's the same with any relationship I have with my friends with work contacts as soon as you stop pursuing a relationship, it stops or it just goes stagnant. It doesn't grow. And it's the same with our relationship with God. When I first started uh, really starting to have a deep faith, it's because I made a conscious decision to ask the big questions. I always called myself a Christian growing up. Uh, but then I asked myself, why? Why do I call myself a Christian? And the answer was, honestly, uh, because that's how I've been brought up. But I didn't just want to live someone else's faith. I didn't just want to call myself a Christian because my mum took me to church when I was a kid. So I went on my own journey to pursue what I believed and to find out what I actually believed. Uh, and I know, and, and to know why I believed it. So I started with the big questions. How is the world formed? What? Um, how was it created? If so, by who? If there is a God, what or who is he? And after that, after I'd done all that sort of um, searching and asking those questions, I undoubtedly came to my own conclusion that God, the God of the Bible was the answer. And not only that, but he wanted a relationship with me. Now, I couldn't have pursued a relationship with my wife if I didn't know she existed. And the same can be said with God. 
God made himself known to us through many ways, not only through creation and, uh, and other things, but through Jesus. He actually came to us. And I've spent ages trying to uh, work out how to approach this talk. But I wanted to share this particular talk with you because it's true to me. It's, it's like I'm preaching to myself. Uh, and you guys can basically listen in uh, and maybe associate with some of it. But maybe like most of you, when, when I properly started to have a real faith, it was all about pursuing a relationship with God. It was all about a person or two people, me and God, the same as a relationship between a dad and a son. And that's what we're told. It's all about a relationship. But then we fall into this trap where it's all about knowing a bunch of stuff and doing good things or not doing bad things um, or seeing miracles happen. And these are all good things. I'm not saying uh, that we should stop this, but we can fall into the trap of pursuing these things over pursuing a relationship with God. Uh, and a, a deep relationship can't just come from learning about the other person. I couldn't have had a deep relationship with my wife uh, by just reading a Facebook page. And I can't have a deep relationship with God by just learning about him. And I love this quote by a guy called A.W. Tozer. And he said, the scribe tells what he has read, but the prophet tells what he has seen. And, you know, learning and doing is all good. Um, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't do these things or that these things aren't important. But Jesus said, look, there's one thing that is necessary. The greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, and I want to look at uh, Psalm 73 today. So I'll just read a little bit of that to you. So Psalm 73, it says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. For as for me, my feet had almost slipped. So he acknowledges that, that God is good. He knows, like, he knows how good it is to have that relationship with God. But he says, I nearly slipped. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost, lost my footing, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he acknowledges here that he knew, he knew that what God could do for him. He knew how good it was to um, have that relationship with God, but he nearly slipped and he acknowledged it. And, you know, recently I've been taking on more stuff and been really busy with lots of things. Uh, and I got to a point recently where I nearly slipped. I was so focused on all these things going on uh, and getting wound up by other people, by emails, by people just moaning about trivia stuff and getting so frustrated and angry that I lost sight of what was really important. I lost sight of just pursuing that relationship with God. So later down in, the, in, this, in Psalm 73, it goes on and he says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. 
their final destiny. So he was troubled by all these things that uh, is listed that I've not mentioned, but it's talking about these things that these people are doing. And he was getting angry and frustrated. Um, but he realised that he nearly slipped. And it was when he entered entered um, the sanctuary of God, when he entered God's presence, that he started to understand and see. And he goes on and then he says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing to desire beside you. The only thing he wants, either in heaven or on earth, is God. He just desires God. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds forever. And have you ever looked at people and think, man, how have they got such a good relationship with God? Like, or how come God never speaks to me, but always speaks to other people? And I don't think God has favourites. I think he treats all his children exactly the same. The difference between our relationship with God and someone else's relationship with God isn't God. The difference is us. So let's take a look at a handful of characters from the Bible who are all completely different in their character, yet they all have this amazing relationship with God. Abraham, Moses, David, Paul, they were different in so many ways, race, class, education, temperament. You know, they've got so much different characteristics, but God isn't concerned about their individual strengths or weaknesses. But the thing they all have in common is that they all pursue to seek God. Abraham was called a friend of God. Moses went into the mountain and was with God. David had a longing for God as if he was addicted to him. Nothing else mattered. He said in, in a dry and desert land, all he wanted was God. It's irrational. He didn't want water or food. He just wanted God. And Paul says... Uh, for me to live is Christ. Uh, I'm happy with living because I'm living for Christ. But if I die, that's awesome because I get to be with God. And all these people knew God because they pursued him. They knew his voice. And I don't know if anyone else has got an Alexa device, but when we got ours, we were proper excited to start talking to Alexa. The problem is when your daughter is called Alexia, it becomes a little bit frustrating. So whenever we would um, shout at Alexia or tell her off, Alexa would pipe up and say, I'm sorry, I don't know that one. Or even more frustrating, here's Uh-Oh, I'm in Trouble by Shampoo. And the, pro the thing was, is that, or the problem is that Alexa doesn't recognise our voice when we're not talking to her for a couple of reasons. One, it's because she's a computer and two 
because we don't have a relationship with her. And when you pursue a relationship with God, you get to know his voice, you get to understand and hear his voice. And when I read this last bit of this verse, but as for me, it is good to be near God. But as for me, it is good to be near God. It made me think, are we content with just being near God? Are we content with just being with him? Is that enough for us? And I asked Alexia, not Alexa, I asked Alexia, it's your mum's birthday coming up soon. Do you think we'd get more people come to a party if we had a live band on, a full like pizza delivery from Domino's, maybe a gym bar? Or would we get more people if we just said, come round, bring a chair and we're just going to sit and have a little chat? Which party do you think more people would come to? Uh, and Alexi said, uh, we can't do either because we can only have one more person and then we've got a house of six. Oh, that's, uh, that's quite a fair point, really. But not really what I was trying to get at. I think more people would probably come to the party with pizza and gin. And I think we can get so distracted with stuff that we miss the reason. The reason for someone's birthday party is them. It shouldn't matter about all the other stuff that's going on. And the reason for our relationship with God is him. Even with church, we can get distracted. I'm sure we'd be more likely to get uh, more people to a church service if we said, we've got Bethel Music leading worship this week and Tim Keller is going to be preaching. But if we just said, oh, right, this week, guys, uh, we've got Dave, not quite sure who Dave is, but we've got Dave who's going to read the Bible for an hour to us. Uh, and then we're going to have another hour where we're just going to sit in, in quiet and we're just going to pray and we're just going to spend some time with God. I wonder which service would get the most attendance. And I, I also love it when people say, oh, I didn't get, I didn't really get anything out of worship today. And I just think that's because it's not about you, mate. It's not for you. Uh, but it's a little similar to the situation we're in at the minute. We can't meet in person. So church looks different at the minute. But we can fall into the trap of only wanting to spend time with God when we can meet together in church. When there's stuff happening. Or do we wake up and say, I just want to be near God. I just want to be with him to I just want him to be my refuge and I love uh, I love it when the Olympics takes place um, and I just start watching random sports that I'm only ever interested in once every four years but I love the cycling in the uh, velodrome and one of the races is called um, the pursuit where two teams start opposite ends of the track to each other and basically, they have so many laps to try and pursue each other, to try and pursue the other team. And the camera, uh, when you're watching it on telly, is positioned right down the middle in a way that you can see as soon as one of the um, as soon as, as soon as one of the teams starts to overtake the other, you can see that that, that the um, they're winning, they're they're close in their pursuit to the other team. But the teams don't just stop as soon as they've got close to the other team, as soon as they've pursued that other team. 
They keep going until the race is finished. They keep pursuing that other team until the race is finished. My pursuit of my relationship with my wife didn't stop when we got married. And our pursuit of God doesn't stop when we become a Christian. Good works and learning don't show our faith. There can be evidence of it, um, but they're not the roots of it. An apple only shows evidence that a tree is alive, but it's the roots that actually provide life. So I just want to say, let's be more like David and just long daily to be in God's presence. I just want to finish with this little verse wrote by David, that essence of just longing for to be in God's presence. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked.